This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's Derek G Speaks Volumes, the podcast talking and thinking about music, and I'm very excited to have my very first guest on the podcast the most requested there's been two people when i put out my podcast recently like my uh, post on socials who would you like to see there was devon turnbull um cool speaker making guy um and my next guest who is margo margo i say my accent i probably say it wrong um right i'm i'm very pleasantly surprised (laughs) lovely Margot, as if I am to introduce you, uh, we did a live stream once on my on on our TikToks, um, but was my first introduction to music people on TikTok. And when you go on TikTok and you don't know anything about TikTok, you kind of are kind of cynical that it's some terrible world of horrible things. And everyone that I've spoken to that loves music knows who you are, and <laughs> You know, before I posted anything, you know, you were like, this this woman knows what she's talking about. She's very deep. Her head's very deep in it. She recommends a whole lot of different, really interesting music. And um, it, and we've become friends off the back of it, which is cool. Internet friends, friends, friends. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Aw, Derek, thank you for that lovely intro. Um yeah, I'm super excited to be the first guest. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the pod. I'm like always gushing about it to you. Um, and yeah, that's very flattering about, you know, my whole TikTok presence. Um, so thank you so much. I'm happy. <laughs> thank you. It's uh well, we had you had to be the first guest, I think. It make it only makes sense. But tell like for, for people that don't know about what you do. And when people ask you, like they might not know at all and never seen it before, what what do you tell them that you do? Oh, yeah, I have to answer this question kind of often, especially now um, and in this chapter of my life and my quote unquote career. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'm a music content creator. That's how I define myself. You know, I post videos on my TikTok, as you know, and also on my Instagram, as you also know. Um, yeah, but first and foremost, I'm just like a music lover. Um, yeah, just like a, a an obsessive fan. I'm like a professional fangirl, which we'll probably get into later. I remember mm-hmm. like for years, my Facebook bio throwback, but my Facebook bio for like years was just like professional fangirl. And I still really live by that. Um, but I guess on the more actual like professional end, like I've worked for record labels in the past, uh, mostly in like the digital marketing, social media world. And now I do video stuff at Pitchfork. So yeah, that's, that's I guess, the different facets of what I do, I guess. Yeah. And you're, you seem, I think what's compelling about you is that you're, 
you do you and you want to share what you love and it's not about like trends and it's not about like the most popping album of the moment you're interested in things and which makes it cool because it's like it's just deep and and genuine and um yeah did you did you feel like that was just like was there any kind of strategy behind that or you just it's just not you. at first. No, not at first. Like when I first started out, like posting videos online, like in a very unassuming way, because I didn't think anyone was <laughs> ever going to pay attention to it. But I was just talking about stuff that I was listening to or have listened to in the past and that I just really loved and that I wanted more people to know about, which was usually like smaller artists or smaller albums or forgotten about albums. And then as my profile started gaining traction and, you know, I started, I guess, becoming more savvy about like content creation and like mm. the specific music content creation, I just kind of like took a step back and I was like, you know, like everyone is talking about like this new album that just came out or like this, like really like um, pertinent topic that's like gaining a lot of traction and that is bound to like get a bunch of views. But I want to talk about the things that no one is talking about or that you know like like this random like left field ambient album from like 1983 that is and you know like stuff that isn't necessarily like trending or like of the moment but that is more I guess like evergreen and that people can like go back to time mm -hmm. and time again and because it wasn't really like of the moment it just like remains it relevance relevant you know so and that content will kind of like last on like past, like whatever, whatever is trending in that moment. So I like to talk about things that I guess people aren't really paying attention to or that have gotten forgotten about, but also things that I just like genuinely love and that I just, you know, I don't see a lot of people paying attention to and that I really want to draw attention to. So people, people that have approached me in real life about my content have been like, oh my God, you're like the anti gatekeeper, which people feel uh, different types of ways about, I guess, mm. but um, I'm proud to to wear that that badge, I guess. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's real, and it's not like yeah, I've I've struggled with that. Like you know, like there's things that you feel like you should talk about because you've got opinions on it, but you know, there's like a thousand videos coming out about it. But yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. So it's really smart. But so the the purpose of this podcast, as you know, is there's, there's a, a working thesis. I would never say it's like a concrete thing. And then, so when I reached out to you, I remember when we did a live stream together and you talked about being a fan of One Direction, which is surprising, to be honest. Like, I don't, I, I didn't grow up like, yeah, I wasn't, I'm, I'm older than you, but also like, you know, not my world. But then to hear that from someone that's so very deep in, not that I was like, wow, that's really interesting. We started talking about that, like when planning this episode. And yeah. so roughly the thesis is something along the lines of stand culture being important, stand culture influencing so much that is like not necessarily talked about, respected. It's kind of seen as like these kind of feverish kind of people that just jump on to things and you've, live through that to an extent so i guess my question let's start off with this one direction started at all it seems tell me about that tell me about one direction your experience and and how it started and yeah 
For sure. Yeah. And you're definitely not alone with like kind of, you know, like my One Direction, my previous One Direction standhood kind of catching you off guard. I feel like that does stay in people's minds when I bring it up because I'm not necessarily like ashamed of it, but it it doesn't really, I guess, align with my current personality. But it also kind of does in ways that I might get into later. But yeah, I mean, well, One Direction was, I tell people this all the time when I talk about it, like, but my One Direction standhood was the most emotional period of my life to this to this day, hands down, like definitely, especially when not even like in terms of like a musical context, but like in terms of just like my life, um, which is definitely a privilege. But just looking that just goes to show like how intense that period of my life was. And looking back on like my life as a younger person, like just growing up throughout school, like, I feel like I was just always primed for these like really like pop, like really intense pop culture obsessions. Like I was always kind of a fangirl. I was like really into Disney channel when I was younger. And then I got really into the Jonas brothers when I was in sixth grade, which was another extremely like intense fandom for me. And then I was into Justin Bieber for a little bit. I was really obsessed with Twilight, but One Direction, I feel like it was just like a, a crossroads because like it, it was just timed perfectly because I, I was like really, really online at this point. I was really into Tumblr. At this point, I was like 13, 14 years old. One Direction was when I was 14. But yeah, it was just the most intense period of my life. And I discovered them through Tumblr. And I remember, I think it was like, it was around the holidays. So like November, December in of 2011, I want to say. So I was a freshman in high school at this point and I was on Tumblr and I remember seeing just like pictures of them and like, just like this group of boys that were like out and like taking pictures of fans or like, you know, live footage from a concert. And it was like, this is when they were on tour in the UK. They had not yet come to the US and they weren't really popular in the US. Um, that wasn't until like spring of 2012, but I would, I would just see these pictures of like a group of boys and like girls just like being crazy. And I was like, what is this? Like, I, I, I need to like look into it. And so I did. And I remember like seeing the, what makes you beautiful music video and what makes it beautiful was like one of the biggest one direction songs, even up until now. Um, and that was the song that really like was the catalyst for my obsession with them um what was it was is it was it the fact that they were british that like like was it the music was it how they looked was it the fever around them what was it yeah it was a combination of all the above i mean yeah like their british charm but also i guess their origin story because they were on um, I don't know what season of the X Factor, but this is the X Factor UK, of course. Mm. Um, and so their origin story was that they had all auditioned separately for the X Factor. And then during the X Factor, there's like this this like period during the audition process that's like um, like judges houses. And so they where you go to the judges houses and like you perform for them. It's like at a very like luxurious location and they didn't make it past that point. But Simon Cowell, who was a judge on the X Factor, was like, you know, you guys would be way better as a unit. So I'm going to like make you into a boy band. And so like their kind of like origin story made them really unique. And even though they didn't end up winning the X Factor, 
like a big part of the X Factor for me was the after show, which was called the Extra Factor, and which would show that like kind of like off the cuff, like very kind of like almost like vlogger style um, footage of the contestants just like hanging out or like doing like straight to camera, like interviews or something. And so I would watch all of that footage of One Direction, like as I wanted to learn more about them. And just, you know, like their dynamic as a band, they just seemed like they were like best friends in addition to, in addition to like their charm, their voices, the music, their style, like their sense of humor, like all of these pieces just made them like perfect in my eyes. I was so in love with them that I was like, my fandom got so intense that at one point I was crying literally every single day because of how much I love them. Like whether it was because I was reading literally seven fan fictions at once, or like, because I didn't get concert tickets or because I did get concert tickets. Like it was just a sh- an extremely emotional <laughs> period wow. in my life. Okay. So you did say that it was like the most emotional time. Like, uh, so I guess the question of this and like, you know, I like to think about things, how I like to think about things like young women. There's like Beatlemania, as we know, and there's BTS and there's One Direction. Obviously, young men can be fans of things often never like that. And obviously, generalizing men emote differently. And, um, you know, sports can be a factor. But it has been compared, right? Like, being a stan of an artist or like guys being sports fans and like releasing that, that emotion. Um, but what is it? Do you think having cried every day, you said over about like that particular moment in time as a, as a fan. And does that relate to being a young woman at this time in her life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, even now I feel like, what's really driving the culture is like young, like teenage girls or just like, you know, with gender being more of a spectrum now, just like not necessarily like um, young, like men, like anyone who isn't that, but specifically like, I guess like fan girls, since that's what they're usually referred to as, that's what's really like driving like artists careers. And I feel like it's just because like how like we're socialized growing up as opposed to like men in terms of like, you know, how they're socialized to like express their emotions. But as you were alluding to, like both men and women and everyone in between, like they all like experience like these really intense, like, you know, outbursts of emotion over whatever they're like, I guess, like standing, whether it be like sports in the case of a lot of men or like, you know, like boy bands for for fangirls but I just feel like it's just stigmatized differently like in society so I mean which does come like at a fault for young women unfortunately because you know we're fangirls are seen as like being like hysterical or just kind of like just being just so obsessive but like it's kind of deemed in a negative way whereas like say like if you you are filming like a large sporting event 
and it's like a lot of like grown men and they're like, they end up crying because their favorite team ended up winning the Super Bowl. It's like, wow, they're really expressing like their love for the game. Like that's, it's really honorable. So, you know, it really just comes with like social stigmatization. Um, But I mean, something about like young girls and like how, I guess, especially now how chronically online that a lot of young people are. Um, I don't know, something about that makes that specific demographic just so extremely impressionable. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I feel like it's an equal, but it's just how we're perceived in society. Mm. Just Did you? This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Did you feel like you had a relationship in your mind with the group, with an individual? (laughs) Yeah, so this is really bringing me back. Um, But, I mean, I went through different phases where I had a different favorite all the time. But a big part of my my fandom was my relationship to One Direction fan fiction. And that's how I would, like, really, like, live out these fantasies in my head because like they had other people writing about like these very like intricate detailed stories of like you know just like certain like ships so it would be like me and like Harry Styles and like they would have like this story crafted around it or you know like a big a big ship which was like you know like a perceived relationship um like for in the One Direction fandom at the time, which was like 2011, 2012, was what fans would call like Larry Stylinson, which was the ship between Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson. And that was like a huge thing. So there was a lot of fan fiction around that too. I wasn't really into it, but at different points of my One Direction fandom, which was relatively short lived, like only really two years before I moved on to other things. Um I had, there was a point in time where I had different, a different favorite, but Harry Styles just seemed to always be my number one at the end of the day. And in my head, we were together, like we were going to end up together. I was convinced that if I didn't end up with Harry Styles by the end of my life, I, I was going to die. I was so obsessed with Harry wow. like even if I look at pictures of him for too long like his imprint on me is just seems to just last forever not so much in his music nowadays but mm. like when I'm in his presence I guess digitally you know like when I'm looking at interviews I just that's just I I've become 14 years old again and I'm just like oh my god Harry is so irresistible but yeah I I, I find it fascinating because like I'm endlessly fascinating with like anyone's experience with music and I compare it to my own which is like I was obsessed because I might be around 10 years older than you I was obsessed with um the white stripes mm-hmm. and um yes sure I had a crush on Meg White but then I think as well I think 
I can only speak for myself as a young man, like 15, 16. I kind of saw these rock stars and then kind of wanted to, for, because I was very shy, for girls to notice me through my music taste. This is probably revealing about me now, right? What am I, what is it saying for now? But like, so like I would, you have your little folder with all your like books and stuff and I emblazon it with, I wasn't just doing it for this. I was a fan as well of a stand of white stripes, but it's like, I want to dress a certain way. My hair is a certain way. My folder says I was like really into music and like it, it, for what you're saying about like developing these relationships with these artists, it was almost like I was, and maybe, maybe young men do that. Like you try to embody kind of a rock star style things so people, you people will find you similar, you know, to these individuals yeah definitely i mean you know when i was in high school i was definitely drawn to people like that that kind of embodied like their like it was like an amalgamation of their taste and like kind of made them like stand out from the other people at like my high school for example but for me and my experience with not only like my one direction fandom but just like my experience with music as a teenager it was, and even now I feel like it was extremely private and personal. And I never really shared like these common interests with even like my closest friends. And so that's why I resulted to going online and going on Tumblr and going on Twitter and creating like these personal, like One Direction Tumblrs and One Direction Twitter accounts. Um, because that was the only way that I could express myself and like my like undying love for One Direction or bands later on that I got really into. And that was the only way I could like really connect with people that felt the same. And and I didn't really know anyone in person until I guess One Direction like got bigger in the United States. But by that time I was kind of over it. Um, it was, I could really only really connect with people about my intense obsessions online. So I was wow. kind of the opposite of you. Wow. Which is fascinating i don't i can't generalize but it does feel like there's like an internal and external thing it's like i want everyone to like me because i've absorbed these traits and yeah. you are more like you know you're online you're expanding these worlds and perhaps you didn't have time for any other thing this is this is your world you know it's like all in front of you so i guess maybe perhaps the next question is like standing right is a word was derived from the uh, Eminem song yeah. about an obsessed fan, a uh, crazy obsessed fan that kills himself and his yeah. his partner or pregnant wife, whatever, something like that, um, yeah. which has obviously been taken a different meaning, which is cool. No one thinks that anyone's like that, although there are connotations. What What is a, having lived through it as a person that has stand, like what is it to you? I mean, standing like in my own like personal life or what? Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, I, I mean, if you were asking 14 year old me standing would look like, you know, just being online for hours and eventually like crying hysterically on the ground, um, just like daily, because whether it was like, I remember crying like when I was really into Twilight, like I remember crying to my mom because uh, Edward Cullen, you know, the lead vampire 
Robert Pattinson uh, wasn't real. And then, you know, in my One Direction period, like I just, if I just was crying all the time because Harry Styles, like I didn't know him in real life. And I'm like, will he ever know that I exist? But standing now really as I, you know, as I kind of honed in on like my music taste as it is today. And like, I, I still like am a diehard stan of so many different artists. Maybe like, it's not, it's not all concentrated in one band. Like it was for one direction for me. It's like more spread out amongst like, I mean, I don't know, tens of artists, hundreds. I don't know about hundreds, but maybe a hundred. Um, it just, you know, like my standhood from when I was a teenager really impacts me now because when I listen to something and I find myself really falling in love with it and I have that feeling and I'm just like, whoa, I really like this. I just, I'm not satisfied with just listening to it and just being like, okay, well, that was cool. Time to move on. I need to know more about it. I need to know who this is behind whoever created this music. I need to know the whole story around this release. I need to know, like, I just need to know more details. And so that is like my inner, like really intense standhood, just kind of bleeding out into my, into my passions, my interests today. Like I just, I'm always craving more knowledge. And because of my previous, um, I guess, training as a One Direction diehard, like it really has kind of um, shaped how I navigate online. And like, I will be really resourceful in terms of like how I can find out certain information, like whether it be like checking like Reddit threads from like many years ago or like, you know, looking through who who follows like this certain account that I'm trying to learn more about and like asking them like what they know about it and like if I like just like certain things like that and I alluded to that earlier today when trying to find out more info about this like kind of esoteric release but um but yeah really I don't know my my standhood still is a huge part of me even though I'm not like I don't really belong to like any of the popular like modern day intense like fandoms but I just am a stand for the artists that I really ride for. So is it more of a personal endeavor, obsession, exploration than it is supporting the group? Obviously, that is part of it. Like, are you at that point then, even now, is it about like, I want to buy their records and want to support them as artists and or is it like I'm just obsessed with learning about it and I kind of just am in this world and I just like want to consume as much as I can to be in the world? Yeah, it's definitely both. I guess it's kind of dependent on like who the artist is. But I mean, I I definitely want to support them directly. And I kind of do that, you know, that kind of plays a huge role in like my content creation today because, you know, how I do show my support even like during times like when I can't really directly financially support, like if they aren't coming to do a show here in New York, which is where I live and I can't like go to the show and like buy merch there or if I'm in like a tight spot or, or something like I will do what I can to like promote them online. Like I, if I love something so intensely and I guess I'm like, you know, really obsessing about it and I'm just like, it, it just like is really all consuming. And like, I just, I feel like I can't really contain myself and I just have to like express how much I love it. So I have to post about it or like, I might make like an album review about it and post it on my Instagram, which 
um, is how I show my support for them directly. And then, you know, like I also try to support them with my funds as well. But, you know, just like word of mouth is really like, you know, just posting about online. I feel like that I've, I've received feedback that people do really resonate with when I, you know, like share my, my, my discovery finds with them. But, you know, I would say I only really post about maybe like 10% of the music that I consume. And I spent a lot of time just like, I feel like I, I can spend like the majority of my life, like, especially my daily life now, like I'm just always online, just like learning what I can about music that's really exciting me. And so that's probably like where the majority of like my, my online, like life as a fangirl, like how it plays out. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's my whole life, I feel. Because you said to me on when we are planning this episode, like it helped you navigate the internet to feed this obsession. Like, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Is it, is it just like, like you said, like the Reddits and the sleuthing? Is it like, how did you learn how to share things to make them viral to, to help propagate the, the, the group? Is it, kind of building like meeting people in communities what what how did it help you like living on the internet I guess yeah definitely well I feel like how it looks for me personally is different from how it looks um on a larger scale especially like in the current landscape because like the peak of my standup, especially when it came to One Direction was I mean yeah 10 years ago at this point and I was kind of like a shy I was I I wasn't like a shy teenager, but I was really really shy and private about my music taste and about my One Direction um, obsession. So that just that really is the part that I was talking about when it comes to like sleuthing and like trying to like find out information. Like for instance, like about like where One Direction was staying when I when I saw them um, in Houston, Texas. I I drove there with my friends. Um, but are these two girls that found out that I like One Direction? They were like, "We have an extra ticket. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yes," but I wasn't really friends with them, so it was that was a whole mess. But I ended up seeing the concert, and it was amazing. But how I guess how standum looks right now, and how it really manifests in these like online movements. I mean, I feel like two examples that really stick out to me is one like with the BTS army and just like K- K-pop fans in general. I mean, I don't really have any exposure or affiliation with the K-pop community. I can't really claim that that standum, but I mean, I remember like in 2020, like when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, um a really like big initiative that the K-pop community like kind of took on was like flooding like right-wing hashtags um like for like like blue lives matter like make america Arabian with like um with k-pop like fan cams and so i was like wow like just seeing that that was like one of my like exposures to the k-pop like community where i was like they really have like a lot of power and like they're you know you saw these like pieces coming out about it and just like they were really like making a mark and like and like during a very like socially charged time like they really like made their like a cultural statement so 
And even now, like, I mean, they're one of the most intense fandoms that I can think of. And then, I mean, even like a more recent example is like, you know, Swifties and like what happened with the Taylor Swift, like eras tour, like ticket sales and like the whole like Ticketmaster um, scandal. Like, I remember like when that was first happening, I think it was like at the tail end of last year. Um, like, I remember reading this piece about this lawyer who was like a diehard Swifty. And so she tweeted online and was like, hey, Swifties that are also lawyers, like um, if you're feeling like just really frustrated and upset about how Ticketmaster kind of wronged all of us, let's like unite and we should like form a group chat and we should like, and the group chat, which was just like a bunch of Swifty lawyers became an LLC and they were really like, <laughs> um, just like really radicalizing and they ended up like filing a lawsuit against Ticketmaster um, and, and politicians were speaking out about it and getting involved and just like kind of pointing out like why like Ticketmaster's flaws like kind of merging with Live Nation like it was it was a huge deal and this really just started from like a tweet that like a Swifty posted and like Taylor Swift ended up posting a public comment about it and yeah I mean you know stands are just really like professionals at just learning how to mobilize online and just like really make like profound change and like just really show up and show their strength in numbers it's it's insane but i i love i love to see it so there's a sort of unity right like as it as it seems like that you have a common interest bound by love and adoration and that kind of passion and breaks down all barriers to unite for other things as well as your own group is that a kind of what's yeah. happening i mean it's really all motivated by <laughs> your intense love for this artist like it just really is all consuming that you just have this feeling inside of you that you have to do something about it and you have to act on it and i can definitely relate like as my 14 year old like one Direction standing self. And I can relate now as like a huge fan of so many artists. Like you just, you like being a, a stan is like a lifestyle. Like that's like a huge part of your identity. And so like, you just have to act on it sometimes because you don't know what else to do with this like immense amount of passion and love that you have for the artist that you're standing. Did you ever find that you, as part of you, your individual self, as part of this one Direction fandom crossed, not the line, but like we're going for something that your passion was taking over more than anything else. Like maybe there's a movement, maybe there's something you're just like, you almost like couldn't not do it. Did you have any of those sort of experiences? I mean, I mean, like when I was a One Direction. Yes. Fan, definitely. I mean, like when the band was first coming to the U.S. and they were embarking on their first U.S. tour for their first album, Up All Night. I literally, there was no way I wasn't going to go to that tour. Like, I remember, I remember so vividly, like I was, I was in high school. It was like, a, just like a normal day. And it was the day that the tickets were going to go on sale. Um, and, you know, oh my God, there were so many, like, there was like a, a, like a sector of YouTube videos that were just like One Direction fans 
recording like their reactions when either getting the tickets or not getting the tickets. And so I, I knew that the tickets were going to sell out immediately. And I remember I was supposed to like give uh, this girl a ride home that day. And I was like, listen, I can't give you a ride home. I have to get to my house immediately. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I started crying at school and I was like, my, my dad is like picking me up. I need to get home immediately. And so I got home. I remember the tickets were going on so at four o'clock PM sharp. Um, and I maybe got home at four Oh five and I was already crying at this point and the tickets had sold out. Um, and that was just devastating for me. Like, Oh God, it was like experience. I was mourning. I like, I was, it felt like I was just experiencing a loss. I ended up did, I ended up getting tickets because like my parents were like, we have to do something about it. Like she is hysterical. Like, I don't know what, like she needs to have tickets. And so I eventually did end up being gifted a ticket. And my mom, like personally thanked these girls' parents because it was like, they were saving my life. Like it was, it was really just so intense. Like there's just, it's not like necessarily like crossing a line, but it's just to a point where like, there's no other there's no other, it's, I can't have it any other way. I, I need, I need to do this. And it just really feels like that. Like, I don't know, like I haven't felt that way in a long time. And I guess it's just because I was a young teenage girl, just with my mind, like one direction just consumed every part of me. But, but yeah, I mean, that was a really intense point. I don't even know that I answered your question, but no, I, it makes me want to speak to your parents as well. I have to get you, <laughs> get them on the, but like the, the power of that is, immense like the emotional power that can be drawn by a group musicians a record label an industry to to make it feel like your parents had to figure out a way because it was destroying you is is powerful like you can do a lot of things well she said like the black lives matter thing or like didn't they the the army book out like all these tickets to a Trump rally and to no one showed up or something like crazy mobilization like that. So I guess, you know, Margot, the, the, the um, person who is known for very, you know, esoteric and underground taste, how, what, what's the, what's the timeline? What's the trajectory to get from one direction to hear yeah yeah I don't know I feel like you know I remember it was like it was 2012 this is when I was a sophomore in high school now so my freshman year when I was 14 was just like defined by one direction I feel like I don't remember anything else and then when I was a sophomore I they had just come out with their second album Take Me Home and I was still a pretty I was still a pretty intense fan at that point. I remember they were dropping the singles around that album. And I remember when they dropped the single little things, they, I remember because, you know, because they're a UK based band for the most part um, and me being in the U S like oftentimes, like the videos would premiere like really early in the morning. And I would often like go, like if it was like the morning of like a video premiere, I would go to my homeroom and just like be (laughs) sobbing. But I don't know, like after, a while like I think they just kind of maybe got too big in America and I was like in the in the United States I should say and so I was like you know what I'm kind of over this I'm I'm just gonna move on and then I kind of 
got into like a different part of Tumblr and I started like listening to like Lana Del Rey and like Arctic Monkeys and kind of getting more into the, the indie side of things for like a 14, 15 year old girl. And then I just got really into just like, I just really delved deep into like indie rock and like that kind of stuff. And as my obsessions really developed in those genres, I mean, it only really got deeper and deeper. I mean, there were so many bands I was obsessed with in high school, but it was definitely you know, like Radiohead and like Bell and Sebastian. But yeah, I just got, I just kind of got more into like indie rock. And that's like where I really found like my next, like, I guess, musical heart. And then, but it wasn't until I was like a freshman in college that marked the next really intense <laughs> standhood period for me, which was Animal Collective. And I, that's like when I started feeling the feelings that I felt only previously with One Direction. And I would, I remember like being at parties in college and like, you know, I had been drinking and like, I, I just remember just like thinking about Animal Collective songs or like the fact that I remember one time I just didn't end up getting tickets for a show that they had. I went to school in Austin and this was in Austin and I would just be like crying at parties because I didn't get Animal Collective tickets or because I was just thinking about like this really emotional song that they have or like it would be coming on at the party and I would just be like, I I just can't do this right now. I'm just, I, I, it's just too emotional for me. And I would just be I remember I just got really into like the the Animal Collective Reddit. And so, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that my, that like sense of self and it comes to like the amount of passion I have um, behind the music that I love, that just like never really dies and it still lives in me to this day. And that eventually led to me, you know, like wanting to pursue like a career in the music industry because I was just, I love music so much. I'm like, how could this not be? my life like I need to this is what needs to be my life in terms of like I guess like for a job mm-hmm. um so that kind of just led me to where I am now I mean even like with me posting about things online and talking about how much I love certain things like that's still kind of like a piece of me or that's still like the the fan girl in me just like kind of expressing myself and my love for the music that I consume wow like it's it's fascinating to hear that kind of same similar sensation when you're when you're older about a, a different band do you think that like i i feel like the the through line of being a one direction fan or stand to an animal collective one to where you are now which is like yeah is is definitely on the like pointy end of like lesser known things um i don't feel like that is common in a one direction fan yeah. <laughs> like trajectory but you were also saying like which I guess may I don't know if these are two questions that are separate but like you were talking about like social media management you worked in like you work or worked in social media or digital marketing or whatever do you feel like to this thesis of why it's important do you feel like super passionate fans or stands these like kind of spines of passion spread out and perhaps can influence people's whole lives, whether it's through careers and interests. It's not just music, but it feels like there's, you kind of get educated in all these different things and people end up taking parts of that. Am I, you know where I'm going with this? 
Definitely. I mean, there's like a whole like niche on like, I, I mean, even in like TikToks, like just like on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, like this conversation about like the the fangirl or like the stand to like music industry professional pipeline, like that just that happens specifically like social media management, because I mean, you know, as like a professional stand, I guess, like, you know, just like what I was kind of talking about earlier about like being trained, like during these like really in- emotionally intense periods of your life, like you're really honing in on your skills of like, you know, whether it be like, you know, like grassroots, like marketing, like via like Twitter or like, you know, on TikTok now, or just, you know, like, you know, trying to rally support online and like, like for your favorite artists, like you're unconsciously like really becoming like very like digitally savvy and like how to like utilize the internet and it's like for like mobilizational purposes. And so because like you're just, you've just really developed a knack for it and just like trying to like feed your obsession, like you just end up being kind of like trained in this way that you develop like this like skill set of like, just like being really digitally knowledgeable. And so, and that also kind of ties into what I was saying earlier about like how, like, you know, you're such a passionate music fan. Like you just want this to be what you end up doing to support yourself in life. So a lot of, I know that a lot of fans just end up, I mean, you know, like you talk to music industry professionals and everyone's like, I mean, I'm here because I'm a fan of music. I mean, hopefully that's the reason why they're in the industry. So a lot of people that work in the industry are just like, they just start out as fans and they're like, well, I love this so much. I might as well just pursue a career in it. Um, So yeah, I mean, a lot of stands end up becoming like, you know, like music industry interns or like, getting like entry-level positions um it's really unfortunate because like you don't really uh you know like who's really occupying like the executive positions in the music industry is still like you know like men and so like a lot of these like young passionate stands that end up wanting to pursue a career in the industry like because they're they're occupying either like an internship role or an entry-level role their passion for what they love, which is music, like ends up getting exploited or taken advantage of. Um, Mm. But because their love is so raw and powerful, like they will do it just because they love it. Mm. Um, Just speaking for personal experience, like that was, that was me. Even like now, like I'll just do things because I, I love it. But even like just earlier on in my music industry career, I guess, like I would be up all night, just like doing work like for like you know just whatever like musical thing I was working on at the time like whether it be like some kind of digital marketing internship or like just working overtime for my social media management job like just because I had like the passion to like really put in the work um but yeah I don't know I mean there I feel like so many stands just end up just becoming like a social media manager because like that's where their strengths really lie and they want to work in music. So, so many women occupy the communications side of the music industry. So marketing PR, I don't encounter many men at all in terms of like, yeah, how, how things are planned and executed from a storytelling perspective. Um, And 
in some ways it's good because it's it's the experience that someone like yourself has had and it's the trajectory that leads you to want to go from a fan to being in the industry i have as you've mentioned met lots of people that say they're fans of music and want to be in music but then i kind of get confused because they don't seem like fans of music at all and i wonder if those fans do become you know the comms and and marketing side of things and the executive is just another form of form of bank or bank you know bank teller business person whatever um i do feel like do you feel like there is change on the horizon with people like yourself uh that you know i i i put out a video that i didn't think was controversial but it turned out to be a little bit which is saying i'd like to see more women in music criticism because it's mostly men and i don't consider myself part of that in terms of like i don't poo poo music i talk about stuff i like but there's a lot of it out there and uh what i got back was well we can't because we get bullied and i wasn't i get that and i have seen that but i didn't think about that as much i just thought we, we it's necessary because there's too many guys and so I think someone like yourself occupies a space that's important and you are largely respected by you know men women everyone because from what I've seen I'm sure everyone has haters because you are passionate and you're not trying to say my taste is better than yours it's more like here's the things that I like I guess the question is you occupying a space which is one of prominence in the music taste making uh music commentary space how do you feel like you know your place is in this landscape and also like do you see struggles or successes of women being a woman in this space definitely oh my gosh yeah I mean you know just speaking to my own experience as a woman I mean I'm also a black woman and I'm talking about indie rock and I'm talking about like ambient like glitch pop and like you know just I'm talking about genres where you don't really see people that look like me making like you know in creating within these like creative sectors um so that in itself um is gonna you know potentially like result in like backlash or people being like how does this person know what she's talking about but that's on one like end of the spectrum whereas on the other end like you know I've had people talk to me about like or come up to me and be like you know I love what you're doing online and like it'll be like young also like young black women like even younger than me and they'll be like I'm so happy that you know I can see someone that looks like myself you know talking about you know like maybe like black artists that are making ambient music or like my favorite like like non-male like um art pop like musicians you know like I don't know so I definitely just speaking to my own experience like I feel like that does kind of like give me an edge because you know how many like you know like white male music commentators do you have online countless and they're all talking about like I mean, not all of them, but, you know, like a lot of them are talking about like, ooh, the new Kendrick Lamar just dropped and like dissecting and like making like dissecting that music and like, you know, making like 40 minute long, like 
think piece videos about it. Um, but I don't know, like it is definitely hard because, you know, just me being a black woman, I feel like sometimes I don't get taken as seriously or people just are more likely to question me or, or you know, you know, offer like speculation and criticism based off of what I look like because of my gender, because of my race. Whereas like if I were a white man saying the same things, like maybe my opinion would be taken um, with more value and like without questioning. But that's just, you know, based off of many like so like sociocultural like levels that I can really only be mad at because of like the infrastructure of society. So, but you know, I can't change anything about like the hand that I've been dealt. This is who I am and I'm proud to be who I am. And I'm just talking about the music that I love online. And, you know, I try not to like bash anything. There's like countless music criticism that's like talking about how bad stuff is. I only want to talk about stuff that I love. And I just happen to love like ambient music. I happen to love indie rock and I think because people can tell like how, like just like how I'm coming from a genuine place. Um, I don't know, like it's not like, I mean, there's other people that like say bad things about it online, but I, I kind of try to tune out from that or else I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't still be posting videos because that stuff would, would honestly get to me. But I think because of my authenticity and because like, I'm just coming from a genuine place of like love and passion that maybe does originate in like my fangirl um beginnings um like it's people seem to appreciate it and yeah I've luckily received a lot of positive feedback which I'm really grateful for because I'm not necessarily making videos to I guess build community or like connect with other people I'm really just I'm making videos as a form of self-expression and I re I've always resulted to the internet to express my love for music whether it was like me creating like one direction like uh, fan accounts and like tweeting about how much I love them and like my username was like Harry's smile or something um <laughs> I'm not even kidding that was what my Twitter handle um so now like just posting videos about my favorite albums that I listen to in a year or whatever um yeah I feel like those are just two versions of the same person but just at different points in my life but at the root of it it's just like my love of the music I'm consuming. So I think firstly, I think it what what where you found success and I think to some extent, you know, where I have too is that we don't look like what has come yeah. before. And we haven't I, I I think we both didn't plan for that. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, well I'm a Chinese Australian and I want to show all these men how to like I you know, yeah. and people get that. And same with you. It's like it's we look different and that's what helps make it interesting, but we're not yeah. like, we're not trying to do that. And so, thing, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, if, if, I, if I was what was expected, people are like, okay, another one, another guy, you know, but yeah. my accent's different, you know, I've got, I don't know, I've got long hair, all these kind of things that you don't plan for kind of work in your favor. And I think, um, it's it is the power and the beauty of these things as well as the kind of the, the detractions of the criticisms that we've come up against in some forms but that's always going to happen but i think that that timeline is 
you know, to start to wrap things up, I think that timeline is so beautiful though. Like of you've always created on the internet. You felt at home on the internet. You've probably felt, yeah, your sense of community and now you can pass that on. And the platforms have matured at a place where you're able to do that and find an audience where, I don't know, did you, did you go into this where you are now and expect that you could build a following? 100% no, <laughs> definitely not. This was so unplanned. Like I never thought, never thought that I would be like a content creator. Like maybe like in my like, like deeply like personal, like fantasies of like me, like being like a YouTube vlogger or something, but I never even thought that I would be making content about music and that people would like be watching it. I just, I don't know, like, like I was saying earlier, like I just love music so much. It just kind of spills out of me and like the outlet in which it spills out of me just happens to be online because that's where I've been able to like share common interests with people, with like-minded people. And, you know, that's come from like not really being able to bond about music in my real life relationships. I mean, now it's definitely changed because like my online life has kind of seeped into my real life. But um, yeah, like early on, I, I used to be, I never would talk to anyone that I knew about the music that I loved. But so I would just like um, escape online and like just go on forums and like learn about, I'd go like on like Reddit indie heads and just like be on it all day. That was like my weekend. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, this definitely wasn't planned, but, and even now, like, it's just kind of like, there's like a degree of separation. Cause I don't really like engage like with comments or like, I don't really like look at analytics. I'm just, I post videos and then I just go about my business. But, um, but yeah, I'm really thankful for, you know, the, the way that things have turned out and it is encouraging and it makes me think like, oh, I mean, people, this is happening for a reason. I'm going to keep it going. And I mean, it could be to thousands of people or it could be to 10 people. I would, I would still be posting about the music that I love online. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I think I, with my radio past, I, I definitely have been there where it's like, I just do it. And now it's like, if it started to like not engage, I think it would like really mess with my head because I guess I'm like, I, uh, I did it for so long for no one that now that there's people that are paying some attention, it, it, yeah, you try to figure out what to do with that, but that's beside the point. I think, um, I think what I find interesting about the story that you told is where do you have a feeling of where you'll go next as a, as a content creator, as a, as a stan of music? Because I, I feel like you had, you know, the One Direction time, you had the Animal, Collect- Animal Collective time. I'm not saying that the content creator side is another era of you, but clearly it is a way that you're really talented and passionate about expressing your love for music. So where where could it go where where can you imagine it going yeah I mean I definitely 
have like lots that I want to do. And, you know, I have very varied interests even outside of music that I feel equally as passionate about. But in terms of like the music, my, my life with music, um, I don't know. Like, I definitely feel like this content creator period era, I don't know. Like, this is like a new chapter for me. And I, and I do just try to continuously challenge myself which, you know, often makes me encounter things that make me deeply uncomfortable and deeply scared. But I think, you know, that really puts me outside of my comfort zone to try new things and think like, okay, what's next? What do I want to do? Like, I remember like this time last year, I was like, okay, I'm going to start making reels and posting them on Instagram and just like calling them like real reviews. That was like my 2022, like, new creative endeavor and I'm still doing it and it's and it's luckily worked out I'm like I'm I never <laughs> would have thought but I mean it's been really I it's been really great and I and I do enjoy talking about music in that way and so for this next what's next I don't know I mean there's so many things I would love to do I mean I I often think like what I want to go back and work for a label and like in what capacity would I want to do that at would I want to do more things that are kind of behind the scenes like for a different musical entity um since I'm so like forward facing in my own content creation but in terms of like you know the whole like marg mp3 thing like I would love to have conversations with artists and bands so maybe that'll be the next thing I've said that for I've said for years how I just want to talk to artists and bands so hopefully but we'll see um stay tuned to find out I guess (laughs) perhaps we have to figure out a way to uh to have harry styles interviewed by you honestly i'm i'm okay (laughs) i feel like i i don't have to meet i mean maybe like i would if i were to see harry like out in the wild i I would say hey but i don't know the interviews i've seen of him it's not really making me want to interview him and like pick his brain but no shade to Harry. I mean, a part of me will always love him, but I'm okay where I'm at. Um, I'd rather talk. I'd rather talk to other artists that I feel more passionately about at this period of time. But who knows? That would be crazy. I would be. I would be stupid to turn that down. It's not not. It's not not possible. But perhaps <laughs> perhaps the the love and expression of that has manifested itself in many other ways that has uh, benefited yeah. the rest of the world in different ways. But this has been really great and and I appreciate you being open about it because I think there is there there is an element of like you have your your tastemaker side but I think this story is really important to tell because like I said you're so largely respected in in the tastemaker space and to come from a place that I would not have expected and for there to be a complete logic behind it that is purely heart passion and, and internet in many ways yeah. is amazing yeah thanks so much I mean and I'm not ashamed of it I, I've I feel very proud of like my my fangirl beginnings and I think it just goes to show like yeah like I talk about like weird music online now but I also like and have like stuff that maybe like wasn't as like perceptively like cool or like even now like I I you know, like sometimes I have a craving to like listen to like old Ed Sheeran or something. And like, I'm not ashamed of that. Like, I just, I'll just listen to whatever 
my my heart is desiring at that moment and just because it might not be like a like objectively cool or whatever like I still like it so it's cool to me oh yeah well that's that's what makes it real it's you're a real person that's not a snob about you know I think it's where perhaps where perhaps you and I exist is like we're just fans of things and you don't need to be about snobs about things because you music is music it's personal and it's everyone's journey um yeah it's a beautiful thing thank you so much for doing this i hope you enjoyed it and i hope that um, everyone else in the comments and wherever enjoyed it too but margot see you on the internet yes thank, thank you, you so much for having so much. me this was this was so fun um i will keep on listening to every episode of the pod so thank oh, yeah. you much again Thank you. And bye, everyone. This has been Derek G Speaks Followings for another week. Bye. Bye.